Stand Up For The Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at StandUpForTheTruth.com slash donate. This is Stand Up For The Truth, educating, empowering, and connecting Christians to stand on God's Word and truth. A man who won't stand up for his own principles is not really a man at all. Get involved by emailing comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. You can't handle the truth! Now, here's David Fiorazzo. Good morning and happy December, everybody, and a um, brand new month, and we're just getting going here, getting ready for Christmas, and as some of us uh, had a busy weekend, just thankful to be with family and friends, or what, however you spend Thanksgiving, I hope it was a good one, and hope you are counting your blessings. We have so much to be grateful for, and we try to point you to the truth of God and Jesus Christ and the hope that we have in Him, and in the midst of everything that's going on in our country, our culture, and, and the world, which we're going to talk about today, um, it's just, uh, there's so much going on. I, I'm excited about today's guest. So before we open the program, let's go to God in prayer. Father in heaven, thank you for giving us another day to live, to speak your truth, to hopefully be salt and light in this world that really needs Christian influence today more than ever. Uh, we pray for discernment, Lord, and we ask that you give us wisdom that we might understand the times and recognize how you are even moving now, even though we might not see it. We know in the Spirit, Father, you're always working, and we pray that you just increase our faith and help us to hang on to that hope that we have that is an anchor to our soul. And we pray, Lord, that your word would prevail, that the name of Jesus would be glorified not just in our personal lives, but today on this program and throughout the week as we engage our culture and people around us, help us to love, help us to be led by your Holy Spirit, and please give us patience and sensitivity to the Holy Spirit when we're dealing with people and talking with people, particularly those who may be hostile to the things of God and to Christianity. We praise you, Lord. We thank you that we recognize we are here for such a time as this. We lift up this time to you right now. In Jesus' name, amen. It's hard to believe we are in the final month of 2019, and while some of us are saying, thank God, um, others are trying to figure out where the year went. Today we're going to look at top categories of end times signs that line up with Bible prophecy and indicate that we are truly in the last days. Signs are used to inform, direct, and warn they contain information that most that, that must be read, interpreted, and understood. As of late, those signs are pointing to the convergence of events to which today's guest frequently refers. Many of those signs are focused on a small, seemingly insignificant parcel of land in the eastern Mediterranean about the size of New Jersey. Of course, we're talking about Israel, but even in our culture today, there is confusion and chaos. Why? Well, as we watch many of these pieces fall into place, just as God warned us, we have to have faith in him and not fear the future because we know who holds the future. We have to be awake and aware, and we have to spend our time in God's word, in fellowship, strengthening our faith so that we can be witnesses for Jesus in this world. And there is a spirit of rebellion permeating the hearts of billions around the globe, rebellion against government, authorities, family, and God himself. And while some rebellion is necessary when a government oversteps its bounds, our guest today says the rebellion against the principles in which our Creator set forth our, for our own good are part of the dark spiritual opposition that is dragging people from all walks further away from the very God who created them. Our guest today is a pastor and teacher, John Haller. He's known for his weekly prophecy updates, but he's also been a trial lawyer for almost 40 years, lives in Columbus, Ohio. He served 25 years on the board of a Christian college and seminary. Then in 2013, John and his wife Pam helped start Fellowship Bible Chapel, where he is an elder and pastor. His prophecy updates are available on the Fellowship Bible Chapel YouTube channel. We'll have that posted in our podcast today. And uh, they cover Bible prophecy, discernment, apologetics, worldview issues, and everything else. John Haller, welcome back to Stand Up for the Truth, brother. 
Good to be with you again. Well, thank you. Yes, it has, and thank you. We'll have to do this much more frequently, God willing. Um, top ten topics today that uh, we, we, I mean, there's many more, but that we can talk about relating to the end times, signs from a perspective of biblical prophecy. And let's just dive in right here, John. Well, first of all, um, your updates have been going out for, I, I mean, how long have you been doing these prophecy updates on podcast and at the Fellowship Bible Chapel? Well, I, we started putting them up. I was teaching a class in another church back in early 2013, and people would um, that were in the class uh, at the church I was teaching, they would say, hey, I missed last week. Is there any way I can get a hold of it? And for years we tried different methods, print, you know, running DVD or uh, CDs and that type of thing. And then YouTube came along, and I was able to figure out how to put up an hour, since I have trouble keeping my talks to uh, 15 minutes that YouTube had a restriction on at the time. So I, I figured out how to do that. So we started putting them up in 2013, and then, you know, that first year we got about 17,000 views, and then in about 2015 it just sort of took off. And so now we're doing about, on YouTube, about 2 million views. They're also put up on Blog Talk Radio under Rapture Ready podcast. And they're posted in different places around, and then sometimes I speak at churches and they put those up. So if you just Google my name or do a YouTube search on my name, you should be able to come up with some of the things that I talk about. Have you ever gone back uh, just to see how dramatically things have changed since you started them? Have you ever gone back and listened to one of your earlier um, Prophecy Updates? I actually did last week. Uh, I was I was doing some things, and I really started these back uh, when I was teaching the class. I, I would do, you know, I was teaching through the Bible and different passages, and sometimes topical. For example, I did a a series. I started based it off Chuck Missler's "The Bible in 24 Hours." It started out as the Bible in a year, because I figured I could divide, you know, take a few weeks off and do 48 weeks of going through the Bible, but it ended up being the Bible in about a year and really stretched out to about two years. But I would also do like a little prophecy update back in those days. This was in the late 90s, early 2000s. And, uh, you know, I, I could cover a lot of the things I think that were significant, looking at what the Bible says is going to happen in the end times and how things are going to come together, and the alignment of nations, and the state of culture, and society, and geopolitics. And I, I could do that in 10 or 15 minutes each week, but now, you know, a lot of weeks I'm going an hour, <laughs> 15 to hour, 25 minutes, and I'm just, you know, a lot of it's, uh, you need to go look this up and read about this. Yeah, It's been kind of an incredible thing to watch, just the explosion of how things have, ta- uh, have uh, come together. All right, let's dive right in, John. There's a lot to talk about. We will not get to it in, in just an hour, but let's start with some of the top signs of the end times that relating to Bible prophecy. Let's just mention a few before we kick it off. We can talk about, hopefully, demographics and artificial intelligence, the attacks on our freedoms, um, apostasy in the Church, uh, the political chaos, not just in America but in Israel, and also geopolitical unrest. But let's kick it off with something that we talk about here, the cultural effect of the LGBT agenda, and you refer to that as the days of Lot. I have an email. Someone just sent me this last night. They went into a children's uh, bookstore, and on the window it says, I am a supporter of LGBTQ, and inside they're right on the shelf, right in the middle it says, Queer Heroes. Now, this is not uncommon. We've seen the Drag Queen Story Hour take off this year like dramatically, and people are just saying, well, they're publicly funded libraries. What is your take on this movement, John? Well, you know, ultimately, I think this is uh, a concerted, all-out attack on the basic structure of society. It's uh, it's attack on God's design of one man, one woman, marriage for life. Um, you know, I, I hear a lot that uh, people that, that support the LGBT agenda will say, well, you know, Jesus never talked about it, so since Jesus never talked about it, we just have to use reason. And and unfortunately, that view has gained some traction in the evangelical church. Mm-hmm. Uh, you see this, uh, these these different people that are, are coming up with a, a guy named Sam Alberry, also working with uh, Tim Keller, uh, who used to be the pastor at Redeemer Church in Manhattan. <laughs> and these 
So it, it's it's just coming in. But, you know, Jesus did talk about it. Jesus, in, in response to a question about marriage and divorce, Jesus did say, look, uh, and I think Jesus would know, would be sort of the authority to go to on God's order for things. He said, you know, God created them, man and woman. And then he talked about marriage, man shall leave his father and mother and cleave unto his wife, and the two shall be one flesh. So Jesus knew the design. He knew the plan. But this agenda really undermines that. And it's something that's very concerning to me that I understand that there are people who suffer from this condition called gender dysphoria. Uh, but I don't know that that uh, fostering, uh, doing things to help them uh, support that condition is is proper. So, for example... There, there was a guy who was the lead. The, the first trans uh, sex reassignment surgery occurred at Johns, Johns Hopkins University in Baltimore. Uh, that was back in the 60s. And they did those surgeries for probably 30 years at Johns Hopkins. And then under the head of the, uh, a psychiatrist there, I believe his name is McCabe, they stopped doing them because what they found, and based on research that was done elsewhere, they found that people who actually had the sex reassignment surgeries where they would change from man to woman or woman to man. And by the way, it's always interesting. We hear there are 57 genders, but when they do sex reassignment surgeries, the options are only two. That's kind of an interesting fact. <laughs> but what they found was that the people who actually had the sex reassignment surgeries were 19 times more likely to commit suicide than those that didn't. Wow. But what's happened with the Drag Queen Story Hour is that this has become mainstreamed. You can look at statistics. For example, in, in England, the National Health Service has tracked these, and they have about, I believe they have about eight sex reassignment clinics throughout uh, the U.K. And what they've found is that um, – there has been, over the last three or four years, there has been this exponential spike. You know, they used to see one or two cases a year, maybe. Now they're dealing with, with dozens to over 100 cases. They're also finding that this transgender, especially uh, young teenage girls, are it's, it's happening in clusters. So for people to say that uh, this, is, this is just... Uh, something minor. It doesn't happen to that many people. I I really think that the the in, the sort of the fabric of society has been ripped apart. Dennis Prager, conservative Jewish commentator and radio talk show host on the Salem Network, has said that there are laws that are being put in place, California especially and elsewhere, that prevent conversion therapy where someone would go and seek counseling to be able to change their sexual orientation from same-sex attraction to heterosexual. <clears throat> and they're putting in laws to say that those type of, of uh, programs, they, you can't have them. They're illegal. They're, they're uh, per se fraud. Mm. California's even enacted a resolution. It's not really enforceable. But it's a sense of the legislature and authorities in charge in California that pastors, teachers, psychologists, whatever, shouldn't even talk about conversion therapy. So we live in a world where you you can't work to change your sexual orientation, even if you want to. They want to shut that down. But if you want to change your biological sex, that's okay. And and it's it's schizophrenic mm. uh, in, in the extreme. Now, Jesus talked about this as sort of a harbinger of the last days. He said it would be as in the days of Lot. And I think if you really go and analyze what was going on in Sodom and Gomorrah at the time of Lot, you will see that I think there's a parallel to what's going on in our culture. Now, certainly part of the prophecy about the days of Lot is that they were just going along. Everything was they thought everything was fine. But we see that also in our culture. I mean, I, I can remember uh, Obama and, and other people. I see you know, politicians and leaders saying, the, it's never been better in the world. The world's never been better than it is right now. And I, I always think like, what, what planet, what parallel universe are you living in? Because 
I don't see that. I mean, especially uh-huh. in the last couple of weeks, we have a lot of things. So I, I do think that this agenda is, and I talk about it a lot because I do think that this is one of the big harbingers that we live in the end times that you people are confused. Mm-hmm. The uh, GLAD, G-L-A-A-D, organization that's a pro-LGBT organization came out, and they want to have 20% of all characters on television. They did a TV and media analysis, Mm -hmm. and they want to have um, 20% of all the characters on in roles on TV, streaming media, and everything be out, open, LGBTQ, and then whatever other alphabet letters they add to this by 2025. Uh, They also cited some surveys in there where they show that among millennials between the ages of 18 and 34, that 20% now identify as LGBTQ in some fashion. Now, a lot of people will debunk that and say that, but I'm saying as you look at other research in England with the spike in the transgender treatment clinics, the exponential spike, I'm not so sure. I I really don't have a good basis for challenging those survey results. I think it's a much bigger problem than we really want to. And uh, I I don't think it's a time that we can really hide our head in the sand about it. Look, I cover it a lot. I I Mm -hmm. talk about it because it's an assault. You see school districts like Austin, elsewhere. Uh, Yesterday, last night, somebody sent me an email, a blog post that she had done where she's gone through and analyzed these books that are be uh, that are in children's libraries right. and schools and public libraries. And there's book – I mean, I it's shocking even to me as someone who studies it, the, num- the, the, the onslaught that's happening. And these are oriented towards children that are five or six. Yes. There's some videos that – I played part of it a week or so ago in my update, but there's parts of it I can't even play – that they show to kids in school and they, they talk about touching yourselves for pleasure and mm. doing it a number of times a day. And the kids in the class are like six, seven, eight years old. And they have uh, these dolls that they, it, it, it's, it's hard for me to even describe it in, in good company. It's demonic. I a, yeah. I sent you a Twitter last night. Uh, there was a very famous porn star. I don't, I think she's out of the business now. I don't yes. know how much about her. Yes. But it just popped up in my Twitter feed that she was opposed. She said, "You, they're grooming our children. Yes. This was a, a former porn star complaining about these sex ed videos that are being used in schools. Austin <laughs> School District has a massive hearing on it, and they adopt the sex ed curricula. So here we are, four, not just a little over four years from the Obergefell Supreme Court decision that allowed – uh, same that said same sex marriage would needed to, was really was the law of the land in the United States, and the question at that time that a lot of people asked was, where is this going to lead? Even Justice Scalia and others who participated in that decision, Justice Alito, were like, what 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 is going to be the impact of this? Mm. And you got a little bit of clue in President Obama's post Obergefell victory lap in the Rose Garden at the White House. In which he said, well, now we need to take those these p- people who aren't quite as enlightened as we are, and we need to bring them into the you know the 21st century and and show them the error of their ways that they hold to these old mores. Mm-hmm. And so this and and look where we are four years later, it's just this constant onslaught. I heard Glad I saw the other night that they're going after the Hallmark Network because it's too heterosexual. Wow, uh, and and they're they're coming after them. And I think, look, the, the Hallmark Network, uh, the CEO, I believe, was interviewed, and his comments were not encouraging that they were going to hold the line on traditional marriage and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So we see some of the problems that Chick Fil A had. Uh, they say, well, we didn't really back off because of this, but listen, we also see that they were giving money to the Southern Poverty Leadership Center, which is claims to be the the organization that out hates group, but I think it's probably one of the biggest hate groups 
uh, yes. out there. Yes, the Southern Poverty Law Center. Hey, we're speaking with John Haller. We're going to take a break in a minute, but I wanted to get your take real quick, John, on the uh, really what's happening in restrooms also, public restrooms. This is not not just in schools. It's not just in public libraries. I've got a sign here that another friend sent me, all gender restrooms available in the youth room or unisex bathrooms. This is from a library. But we're seeing this in department stores, so corporations are caving. What do you see happening with this coming down the road? More lawsuits? more Because more women and moms seem to be concerned about their children. But we really don't see enough pushback, I don't think, in the public about it. Well, part of the problem is, and I think we can cover this after the break, where this leads to is the next thing that I think is a harbinger of the end times are attacks on freedom of speech and freedom of religion, mm. uh, because I think they're they're all part of a piece. I think as we see these things in the end times, they're sort of all, they're all separate, but they're all very much interrelated, and one leads to another uh, in almost every case. So I don't know where it's going. I mean, you can... Now you see that they're at, at universities, they have tampons in men's bathroom because, and they say, I've seen the, the yes. editorials in student newspapers, it's not only men that menstruate. Oh, goodness, and it's, yes. How do you, and, and so how do you reason with these people is the question. And part of it is this, this agenda is to really shut down debate and shame people into accepting things the way they are. It's it's very troubling. God has given them over to degrading passions, but also to a depraved mind. And as we see, moral relativism is causing chaos because we've gotten away from the very basic fundamental truths of God's Word that He created the heavens and the earth. He also created us, or them, male and female. We're speaking with John Haller. When we come back, we're going to jump to the uh, geopolitical unrest topics and Israel as we discuss top end signs times on Q90FM. If you want more info on the topics of today's show, then visit StandUpForTheTruth.com. Now, back to David Fiorazzo. Our guest today is John Haller. We're talking about end times signs, uh, Bible prophecy. If you'd like to interact with a question or comment during the broadcast, text the keyword speak up to 90100. And anytime you can email comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Dot com. Now, we'll, we'll get to geopolitical unrest, but uh, John, I know you wanted to talk about the attacks on our freedoms, and that's not only here in America, but the uh, European Union regulations. I'd love for you to, to just share some of your thoughts on that. Sure. Well, I think that, you know, one of the things we see, I mentioned it earlier, that with, within this, the context of the LGBT issue, states are putting in, uh, they're putting out resolutions and that type of thing. And in fact, uh, Joe Biden, when he was here in, in Columbus, where I where I work, Columbus, Ohio, at the um, uh, I want to say human, um, they have a they had their symbol is a blue square with a, a yellow dash in it. Is it uh, human rights campaign? Symbols. Yeah, human rights campaign. And they, and he said, look, my my number one agenda, if I'm elected president, will be to have. Um, the Equality Act that's already passed the House and Congress enacted into law. So mm-hmm. if there's if there's a change in the Senate Ooh. and in the presidency, this this is going to become law. Yeah. And within that thing is there were back in the 1990s they enacted. In fact, this was under the Clinton administration. If you can uh, imagine that, they put in place a thing called the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, which said, look. There are certain laws, but people have – we recognize that they have rights under the First Amendment, the free exercise of religion, the free assembly, the free speech, and obligations under laws need to be looked at in that light. But there's a specific provision in the Equality Act that says that Religious Freedom Restoration Act does not apply to any of the obligations or uh, requirements that are set forth in the Equality Act uh, legislation. So you can see that there's an attack right there on religious religious freedom, the free exercise of religion, and freedom of speech. So, and they always say, well, you know, you shouldn't be allowed to discriminate, or you shouldn't be able to say things that are hateful. Where this is becoming more of an issue is with the social media companies, Facebook, YouTube, et cetera, and 
uh, the European Union. The European Union has adopted a number of regulations. I've talked about them quite a bit in the past in my updates that essentially they they say free speech is not hate speech. So hate speech doesn't fall under the stricture of that. And so the social media platforms, if there's hate speech, you have to take it down immediately. <laughs> well, what happens is, you know, Facebook and and Google and YouTube, they're not going to distinguish between their obligations in Europe or their obligations in the U.S. So the most restrictive regulations that they have to face, and, and also you can throw in China into the mix too because it's such a huge market and they have very strict rules. So what happens is within the social media platforms, there becomes a restriction on free speech. For example, on YouTube, um, Dennis Prager does a thing called Prager University, conservative, mm -hmm. good-thinking, five-minute videos. Yeah. 20% of his videos fall into the restricted category. In other words, if you have a, a restricted content turned on on your browser on YouTube, you could search for a video, but you will never find it. Mm. About 90% of the videos that I put up are in restricted mode on YouTube. Wow. And I talk about the Bible. I talk about these issues. So this is this is a real thing, and you get throttled by social media and that type of thing. So, you know, I don't even know if the numbers we have are the real numbers, but the but what the EU has done is they hate speech and free speech are completely separate things, which really undermines free speech. But then they're also very subtle on the freedom of religion thing in that the regulations allow that you have a freedom of religious, essentially religious thought. You are entitled to your religious opinion, but you're not allowed to talk about it. That, that's essentially the way the regulation, the impact of the regulation is. So that's very, very different than what we have here in the United States, mm -hmm. which is we have constitutional right to the free exercise of religion. But even the United States with the Equality Act, and, and there's acts pending in almost all the state legislatures to push this agenda. And and so this, and, and, and what it will do is it will re restrict the free exercise of religion. Yes. And, and you see what happens even without it companies like Chick-fil-A back off their support of certain organizations. So that, that I think, is a, a big deal. That also is related to the technology and the artificial intelligence. And, you know, I don't know, I don't know, what, I don't know what the restrictions are. Every now and then I get put or restricted on Facebook for posting things. Yeah. But they, they say you violate the community standards, but you appeal it you you never get a person and they never tell you what it is that you did. Mm -hmm. So a week ago I did talk about LGBT issues. I talked about these sex ed videos. I played a portion of the, what they play in public schools. And immediately I'm told that my video violated community standards. I don't know what, what it is. And, and, and look, I understand that people struggle with these issues. Well, it's censorship. We, we all do. Yeah. And, and so what it is, is I think it's there. It's sort of a social conditioning that you're undergoing is mm -hmm. yes. we're not going to tell you what you're doing wrong because that will make you very, you'll, you'll, you'll self-censor and we won't even have to worry about you then. So this, this is happening across social media platforms but you even see it happening within religious organizations and that sort of thing. And it, it's very troubling. And with the growth of AI and that type of thing, I tell the story a lot. You know, I was talking to somebody and he said, oh, yeah, you know, this golfer, we, we were playing golf. He says, so-and-so is staying at my friend's house and he belongs to this country club. And I never looked it up. And the next day, ads started appearing on my Facebook feed for this golf club. Or we we talked about a family member who has a hearing problem, and my wife and I are both over 65. We're on Medicare. And the next day, I, was, I got a phone call from a company saying, hey, we understand that someone in your house has a hearing problem, and Medicare would cover this. So they knew I was on it, – it's just – Wow. Yeah. So it happens enough that uh, – you know, it's troubling. So that 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 leads. Now, let me go to the, another one that I think a lot of people sort of ignore with regard to. 
end times prophecy, and that's demographics. And I was talking to somebody, uh, actually happened to be a lawyer who was at church yesterday, who mentioned that he thinks this is a big issue too. We we're li- we live in a world now where there's there's a phenomenon going on with regard to the demographic collapse, particularly of affluent Western societies, that has never occurred in human history. And I don't think we understand that the the impact of that. The Financial Times, a financial newspaper published in uh, in London, had a big article the other day about the the collapse of the pension system around the world. When you look at the United States, we know we have 23 trillion or 24 trillion in our national debt. But there's also a thing called unfunded liabilities, promises that have been made to people, right. social security, pensions, hmm. state, local, teachers, public, you know, state employees that are un- in in many respects unfunded. Those unfunded pension liabilities, uh, there's a Economists, I think, from Boston University, who's estimated that those total somewhere north of $200 trillion. That's many times more than U.S. economic GDP. There's no way that those can be funded. You add into that, though, that people are not having babies. There was, I mentioned this yesterday, an editorial in the New York Times a week or two ago front page of their Sunday review section, opinion section, the end of babies talking about the fact that even in, even in societies where things seem to be going well, people are not having babies. <clears throat> and you have to wonder, and, and this has an impact. It has an impact on how they pay these pensions that they've promised to people. I, I just don't think there's going to be enough people. Here's a real-world example. Um, replacement. Uh, to replace a society, to keep it at the same amount, a country, women need to have an average of 2.1 babies. Um, most of the West now is under two. The only thing that really helps the U.S. keep at around that number, maybe a little bit above, is we're pretty, regardless of what you think about the president, we're actually pretty open to immigration. And we bring in people that do seem to have babies. But most of Europe, many countries in Europe are 1.2, 1.1, 1.0, which means that at that number in a generation, the next generation will have half as many people as this one. Wow. And and society collapses very quickly. So China now has about 1.4 billion people. By 2050, they're based on projections because of their one-child policy, Mm -hmm. pretty much unrestricted abortion, encouraging abortion, they're going to have 1.1, they're going to have 1.1 billion to 1.1 billion people. They will decrease 300 to 400 uh, million people in 25 years. And what will be the impact of that? Uh, How does that have an impact on society? At the same time, uh, the continent of Africa is in a demographic boom. Uh, Birth rates are pretty high. They do slow down as the culture becomes a little bit more affluent. But there are projections that, you know, the population of Africa will, and I, I don't have the exact number in front of me, will just about double in the next 30 years. There will be cities in Africa, and on top of that, there also is a big push to urbanization. There will be three or four cities in Africa that will have in excess of, get this, 80 million people in one city. A couple cities may exceed 100 million people. I mean, New York City is 8 million people. So imagine a city 12 times the size of New York. And uh, now, all those people will not stay in those countries. They're going to immigrate. And the mm-hmm. closest place will immigrate is in Europe. And there are people who've written about it, and they're immediately putting, you know, you're a racist, you're a bigot, and that type of thing. But there is a huge demographic change happening in Europe. I, in fact, I think for many reasons, Douglas Murray – who, by the way, it identifies as uh, 
gay and an atheist. He's written a book called The Strange Death of Europe, and he just says the collapse of the Christian culture in Europe is will destroy Europe. Hmm. And then he also has a thing about the madness of crowds, how whenever you say something that's politically incorrect, you're, you're mobbed, you have to close your Twitter account, your <laughs> Facebook account, that type of thing. And so this is going on, but I don't think Europe really grasps what situation that is in. But let's see how this translates over to Bible prophecy. There, you know, there are different theories in Bible prophecy about how the final beast empire comes about, where it's centered, that type of thing. One of those views is that it comes out of sort of a revived European Union. Hmm. But my question would be, look, what what if the Lord doesn't come back for 30 years? Now, I, I don't see how the world can sustain itself with what's going on right now for the next 30 years. But what will Europe look like in 30 years? They do have a high, a, you know, a growing Turkish population that's Muslim. They have mm-hmm. a, a other Muslim people from Syria and that type of thing that are producing a lot of babies, five, six babies per woman. And so there will be a huge demographic shift. Russia is a demographic disaster. And so, for example, and this comes from mainstream publications like Foreign Policy and Foreign Affairs, Russia has a Sunni Muslim issue. And so Putin does a lot of things to kind of tamp down that Sunni Muslim problem. That's one of the reasons why he went into Syria, whether he will state it or not. That's why the Sunni population was pushed out of Syria into Europe by the actions of the Assad regime, along with his partners, Russia and Iran. That's had an impact on Europe. Uh, it's estimated that the, popula- the the Muslim population of Moscow, Russia, right now, is between 25 to 33 percent. We were in London exactly a year ago, and we were a few blocks from Speaker's Corner in Hyde Park. So we're in London. You know, sort of in the heart of London where free speech and democracy is recognized, our, um, the cable channels in our hotel, we had 50 channels, nine of them Arabic, nine or 10 of them were Arabic language hmm. in the heart of London. So there's a huge demographic shift going on that, and I don't think it's going to change. And I do think that this causes sort of a disruption in society as traditional values wane and values of other people, Islamic values come to the forefront. And I do think that this causes a lot of chaos, a lot of unrest and that sort of thing. So I, I do think that the, uh, the demographic changes uh, are, are dramatic. Japan is aging. They have been for a while. They are way below replacement rate. They, their marriage is falling apart, and the word is they sell more adult diapers in Japan now than children diapers. Wow. Hey, John, we've got one more minute left before we take a break, and I wanted to come back to America and talk about the population here and the demographics. I, I heard um, that Muslims, I'm not sure if it's in America, though, uh, Muslim women are having between five and eight babies, uh, and U.S. women are having less than Two, is that accurate from your understanding of what's going on in the states? I believe that that is accurate. Now, wow. it's probably true that the as the Muslims sort of, if they become acculturated into American culture, they'll probably have less. But uh, certainly, right now, they they have more, and this this is going to cause this is going to cause problems. I mean, I, I don't know how else to say it. Well, it already is. We're seeing it now, and and abortion plays into this. Uh, aging plays into this. We've got five or six states now with uh, laws permitting euthanasia, uh, a, a physician-assisted suicide. You'd never think that would happen in our country. We've got to take a break. We're going to come back with John Haller, talk more Bible prophecy and signs times, and we'll get to that in a minute. If you want more info on the topics of today's show, then visit StandUpForTheTruth.com. Now, back to David Fiorazzo. Our guest is John Haller. You can get his Prophecy Updates weekly on his YouTube channel, which we will have 
uh, connected here to our podcast. We'll have it posted there. You can get linked up there as well as uh, you can go to, uh, is it Faith Bible Chapel? Fellowship Bible Chapel. Fellowship Bible Chapel, or Bible FB Fellowship. Chapel. Right. FBChapel.com will have links. We okay. live stream all of our services. As well. All right, we'll get it linked up to our podcast. John, let's jump right into geopolitical unrest. Got to talk about Israel and what's happening from that perspective. Okay, well, first, let's just sort of talk about general geopolitical unrest. Everywhere you look right now, there are major problems. You have Hong Kong uh, mm-hmm. here in the Americas. You have Chile, Ecuador, Bolivia, uh, Brazil, Argentina, uh, Mexico. You know, we had this uh, slaughter of some uh, more, a Mormon family and Mormon families down in Mexico. Right. And the thing that happened about a month ago in Mexico, if I could just briefly mention that, was they arrested this El Chapo. He's the big drug kingpin in Mexico. And the drug cartels immediately responded to the arrest of El Chapo's son. And what they were doing was they were actually going to the homes of policemen and military people involved in this arrest and in killing the families. And so what you have is you have a complete breakdown in social order. And and you see some examples of this, they they just put in a leftist a, 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 this, who was raised by Bill Ayers and Bernadine Dorn, who were radical leftists back in the 60s. Yes. His parents were in prison. They raised this guy. He's now the prosecuting attorney in San Francisco. What do you think is going to end? And his goal is less people in prison. Um <laughs> And and this is San Francisco, so mm-hmm. I mean, I, I you know, it's almost to the point where I, I think I've taken my last trip there, unless I have something, <laughs> a real obligation to do so. But then in the Middle East, of course, you have uh, well, well, NATO is falling apart. We have a year-long protest every weekend now. Uh, uh, the yellow vest in France. Uh, Germany has a number of issues with regard to the immigration population and sort of the rise of some nationalism. There, uh, we saw a terrorist attack in London the other day. By the way, by a terrorist who had been let out of prison early. Oh no! It was actually on his way, or had just gone to a conference, or was on his way to a conference sponsored by Cambridge University in London, where they talked about the rehabilitation of terrorists, <laughs> and he committed a terrorist act. I mean, process that for just a little bit. <laughs> Then you have the unrest in the Middle East. You have uh, Iran has tried to sow its influence throughout the Middle East, and now people are reacting to that. There are massive riots in Iraq. Uh, dozens, maybe hundreds of people have been killed by Iranian-backed militia groups to, to quell those arrests. You have a breakdown of uh, protests against the corruption and influence of Hezbollah, which is Iranian-backed, in Lebanon. And you have in, in a country of four million people, you'll have a million people in the street. And then there have been massive protests in uh, Iran and probably more people killed in reaction to those protests than any other protests since the Islamic Revolution back in 1940 years ago in 1979. Over 400 people have been killed, just mowed down in the street by the Iranian secret police and authorities. So there you have all of this going on at the same time that you have this and and listen Jesus himself said that one of the harbingers of the end times would be wars rumors of wars and ethnos would rise against ethnos and these countries in these countries in um Europe are um uh these countries in in the Middle East Uh, are very tribal, and you see these tribal things going on. You see even conflict. You see the Sunni-Shia conflict in Islam. Mm -hmm. But then you also see conflict between Shia sects, uh, one uh, run by Sistani in Iraq, the other run by Sadr, and the conflict between them. And and then there are others that are tied to the Shia funding that they get out of Iran. So this this is a huge problem. But then we also have sort of the parallel conflicts that are taking place in the between the United in the United States and Israel, where the Prime Minister of Israel, Benjamin Netanyahu, uh, is facing an indictment. Uh, I don't believe he can be indicted quite yet, but I'll speak about that in a moment. And then, of course, the President of the United States undergoing this sort of relentless 
investigation and impeachment process. There are more hearings. Another House committee, the Judiciary Committee, is starting hearings today on impeachment of President Trump. Now, I don't think anything's ultimately going to come of that. I think the testimony from a trial lawyer perspective has been, first of all, I'm not sure what the violation was. Exactly. And and I, I try to be object, look at this thing objectively, but I'm not sure what the violation was. And certainly I don't think they're going to get 67 votes in the Senate. That would mean they would have to flip about 16 of the Republicans to vote for a conviction. And I just I don't see that happening. But, you know, listen, <laughs> we live in a world of chaos. Right. In Israel, uh, Netanyahu has been indicted. But part of the problem is an indictment of a Knesset member and the prime minister is a Knesset member in the par- in their parliamentary system. And he uh, you can't indict it. You have to have a committee review it from the Knesset. But the Knesset's really just sort of not doing anything right now because they haven't been able to form a majority government. So the question is whether this attorney general can actually get the indictment to go forward to a court hearing and trial without the Knesset being formed. Now they're talking about we're within a couple of few days of the expiration of time for any member of the Knesset to try to form a majority government, which means he has 61 Knesset members supporting him. And and even then, the Knesset, if it was, the committee could look at the indictment and decide that it's not worth it. Then the full Knesset could vote on whether the uh, Netanyahu should be given uh, immunity. But what's happening in the U.S. and Israel and our legal systems is everything becomes – it's not a political issue anymore. It's a legal issue. You see this every time President Trump puts something in about a regulation about immigration or the uh, the DREAMers, DACA, uh, for young people on immigration and tries to overturn what Obama put in by regulation – a court will step in and say, well, you can't do that, and, but there's no legal basis for it. And so we live in this society where the courts are running around literally like chickens with their head chopped off, and you, it's hard to advise people what's happening. The same thing is happening in, in uh, Israel. And organizations pick up on this. They, they file these lawsuits we we saw what happened with the um, uh, David Dottelin on the abortion videos that he did where yes. he went to Planned Parenthood and that type of thing. And Planned Parenthood brings this lawsuit. They filed a suit in San Francisco because they're going to they get these favorable rulings from the judge who's clearly biased. Mm-hmm. And now his his remedy is to to appeal it to the Ninth Circuit, which. <laughs> Uh, is changing because of the judges that President Trump has appointed, but it's still um, it, it, it's still a circuit where it, it's really sort of a joke. Even in the legal community, people say, "Well, that's the Ninth Circuit." So um, the um, so what we see is we see political chaos, geopolitical chaos. We have the protests in Hong Kong are now over six months old. Hmm. It's affecting tourism to Hong Kong and the economy in Hong Kong. People are concerned. They're in, I just think it's this, these are all indicators of what's going to happen in the end times. I, I think, unfortunately, my, my view is that it's going to get worse. Mm-hmm. And um, and I know people were excited that President Trump came in and that maybe this was a reprieve. But I look at what's happening at the school level with this LGBT agenda to bring this stuff into the schools. And I'm wondering what reprieve there was because it's been an onslaught. So we have sort of all these things related. The demographic collapse of these countries indicate that, you know, Iran is the most rapidly aging country on planet Earth right now. They have a narrow window to do their mischief. Hmm. And we think they're an important player in the end times, according to what the scriptures say. And so I think that that narrow window window where they will have the military, the people to serve in their military and that sort of thing, is narrowing. 
And I think that's why it sort of indicates that a lot of these things may happen in the near term. But then again, they may not. But I just don't see that this chaos and stuff is going to change that that much over the next 10 years. Well, I, mean, I, I, I think I, I would agree with you on that. John, we've got two minutes left, and I hate to, to try to get you to sum this one up, but I, I want you to just give your thoughts briefly on the it's just the radical environmentalism we're seeing over climate change and how that relates to the new world order. And it seems like more people are jumping on that bandwagon. Well, it does seem like, I mean, the EU, uh, the EU parliament just came out last week and declared a climate emergency. <laughs> and you see these yeah. things and look, it does seem that, um, there have been some pretty dramatic storms and events recently um, that seem to be unusual. The the term that's often used in, in describing these things is unprecedented. And so people break down into a couple categories. Is is man causing this? Is it is it man actually having, I don't know, weapons that cause this? But sometimes, you know, we, we sort of discount that that God may be intervening. Hmm. And and using this as as judgment on people for what they're allowing, and I, I think you can make the case. I think you can make the case for all three of those, but certainly we live at a time where things seem to be happening on an unprecedented basis. But bad things have happened in the past. I live in Ohio, a mile, two hours north of here. There used to be glaciers a mile thick. That was before any industry, cars, SUVs, or anything like that, and they melted. <laughs> now we have the Great Lakes, and the, you know, twenty percent of the world's fresh water stored up up there, and you live in the same region. And so, I I think that this is part of trying to people trying to get control of everything in your life, this climate emergency, this climate agenda, this type of thing, and it's just. I don't think it's really supported by a lot of evidence. Um, it used to be global warming. Now it's climate change. Even before global warming, wasn't there time, was it the 70s, they had uh, polar bears on the cover of Time magazine, global cooling or freezing? Sure. And it, there's some evidence that um, may suggest that we are entering a mini ice age anyway. This has happened in the past. In the early 1800s, there was a mini ice age that, really affected agriculture in the United States for a number of years. Hmm. So um, we, we can't discount uh, that some of it is natural, some of it's cycles of the sun, but some of it too, I think we're a little bit too dismissive of the fact that maybe God is using the weather to judge people. We do know that, you know, in a future time period in human history, God will intervene directly and cause some pretty severe judgments on the earth through weather and that sort of thing. So we, we can't dismiss it. Yes, but we need to remember to trust in his sovereignty because he is in control and we are here for such a time as this. John Haller, we thank you so much for taking some time with us this morning, and we're going to have to have you back on. There's so much more we have to cover, but thank you so much, brother. Thank you, David. All right, God, God bless you. All right, when we come back, we'll wrap up today's show and tell you about our guests the rest of the week. We're getting ready to wrap up today's show. Stand Up For The Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at StandUpForTheTruth.com slash donate. Now, here's David Fiorazzo. All right, we'll have John Haller's info on today's podcast post. Tomorrow, Linda Harvey of Mission America, and then Wednesday, Dr. Walter Martin's daughter, Jill Martin-Rishi. She works with Jan Markell. We'll have her on, talk about the occult. Ryan Morrow of The Clarion Project on Wednesday. And a Christmas book is coming out. you got to find out about it. Gay Willard will be our guest Thursday. Todd Nettleton on Friday with Voice of the Martyrs. God bless you and keep speaking the truth about things that matter.